Patriots, and today is Thursday, January 25th in the year 2024. Some big developments yesterday that are spilling over into today, and that is Texas's position on the border. One thing that we all have to really get a grip on here in a critical time is how much this border crisis is by design changing our nation. I think it's very easy to visualize an event where we round up all these people and send them home under a president that might be Trump or somebody like that. But the reality is that logistically that's not very practical, if not impossible. You're going to divide a country even more because many of these people are going to settle in and become part of our nation and already have 
And the other part about it is that many of them are already getting, are already having children here, which by definition in the Constitution is what we call anchor babies. They've already started to set because of the way our Constitution is interpreted. If they've had a child here, that child is a naturalized citizen of the United States. We also have another aspect to immigration, which nobody likes to talk about. It's the ugly side of COVID con. The fact of the matter is, is that our nation has lost a significant labor base. And some of those labor pieces we need that constitute jobs, we need to replace to make certain systems function normally, be it that warehousing issues, food processing, things like this. And so without those labor, you're going to be forced into situations of higher levels of robotics, AIs, and whatever else that means at the hands of evil. But the fact is in our nation, we're in a crisis and our birth, our birth rate in the nation is down to less than 2.3% or 2.3, excuse me, which is translating to a demise as it is of the America, which we know. And that leads us into a, a crucible that very few want to face, which is how do we bring those people in this nation in? And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. Patriots, one thing right now to be exceedingly aware of is that we are in living in crisis times. And there no, should be no question about that. And as a result of that, you need to be prepared for the unexpected. That would include food. Food is a weapon system. They have done everything they can to weaponize it. The media has been telling people lies, obviously hiding the truth of what's behind a lot of this change. And all it takes is as this continues to be pressured into people realizing that the truth, what the truth is, you're going to end up in some form of a crisis. And that's going to ultimately lead to what people do best and they start to hoard at the last minute and they leave shortages on the shelves. We are also seeing a breakdown of the internal structure of supply chain logistics across our nation. You need to be prepared and you need to keep emergency food supplies on hand for a variety of reasons, not just social collapse, but also for natural disasters, which seem to be becoming more increasingly common, especially as we endure the joy of weather warfare. So Patriots, what you need to do is head over to preparewithbards.com, preparewithbards.com. There you're going to find the My, My Patriot Supply three-month emergency food kits. They're on sale for $200 off. They'll provide your family with a 25-year shelf life of foods that have 2,000 calories a day and nutritiously, nutritionally balanced for you, during, especially during times of crisis. This becomes exceedingly important. So again, head on over to preparewithbards.com, preparewithbards.com. Take advantage of these savings. Get one for every member of your family. Keep yourself stocked up. It's important. It's a very important uh, baseline to have in all your food emergency preparations. If you order by three o'clock or three p.m. on the same on the same day, you'll get on that day you'll get same day free shipping, which is great. And they are just an outstanding company, the largest company in the country, and they provide some of the best products out there. So, anyway, preparewithbards.com, preparewithbards.com, and take advantage of this sale and discount of two hundred dollars off for the three month emergency food kit. All right, the one thing that's interesting right now is we do have quite an issue going on in our on our border. Texas yesterday made it a re- challenge the federal government in a very critical point. 
And the challenge was that the Supreme Court ruled basically that they couldn't keep the razor wire up. There's a lot of debate on that decision. And I think it's easy to point the finger immediately at the Supreme Court, which we probably should anyway, because I think it's corrupted. If I'm not mistaken, Amy Comey Barrett, which is a Republican, which I've never totally trusted her anyway, because she was also pro-COVID con and pro-vaccine. Um, but she joined the other women on the on the bench to vote for immigration. Our legal system in our country is morally bankrupt. I think that's easier to say than it's corrupted. I think that the corruption comes from a moral weakness and a moral bankruptcy in our nation of understanding what they're truly standing for. And it's a dilution of the Constitution because they're not standing on the Constitution, they're standing on legislation. One thing that Jaron Jackson pointed out, which is correct, is that we don't have immigration in the Constitution. We have naturalization. The federal government gets by by saying it can regulate immigration because it uses the Commerce Act, which means essentially that everything coming across that border, every person is a slave, just so we get that clear. The ruling against Texas for the razor wire along the border, telling them that they had to tear it down, violates Article 4, and that's the, the need for the federal government to protect the states and to be able to ensure that the states do not have an invasion. Texas went so far yesterday in their release by the governor with Governor Abbott, which, by the way, just happens to run alongside of the things that Jaron Jackson was saying in terms of common law authorities, understanding the Constitution. And I go back to this because it's a very important point in our history that happened yesterday. And this is where we have to keep coming back to the principal issue. There, the Constitution is the law of the land. Everybody getting wrapped up around maritime law and all these other types of law. The Constitution is the law of the land. Full stop. So I have gone through this these rabbit holes long enough looking at uh, state nationals, maritime law, admiralty law, all these things. At the end of the day, the Constitution is the law of the land. And when we pivot off of that and we understand the root of this and are able to go to, hang on just a second, there we go. And we're able to get to where our law is, that's where common law becomes so important. Common law lays down the principal foundation of how this nation is built and it all anchors on scripture and the Bible. So the argument by Texas went right to the Constitution the letter from Abbott. And to my understanding, he was advised by some people that are very astute in common law. This is important because this pivot now is getting us back into where we need to be as a nation, getting rid of the legislative law and getting back to the root of this nation that the Constitution is the law of the land and common law is the root in which we are all going to have to work from. That should inspire everybody to read your state constitutions get heavy into scripture and the Bible and start learning what you can with common law. Very important. Everybody needs to get smart on this because ultimately it's the power of we, the people, not the government over the people. And that's where we've been rolling because the legislative law, which comes as empowered cubicle warriors and unelected officials to run roughshod over our constitution because nobody's been checking them with the proper arguments in court because they're trying to fight always trying to fight on their turf. This is taking the, the control of the nation back into our hands. 
So Texas has made a pivot. And what's important about this pivot is unlike the Civil War where Texas sought secession along with others, this pivot is in line with what the DMA has said. The De Declaration of Military Accountability is looking at restoration, not separation. Texas is doing the same thing, restoration, not separation. But it's putting its foot down and calling out the federal government for having violated the Constitution, which is treason. Violating of the Constitution is a treasonous act, and this administration then is being called out by a state as being a treasonous administration. Understand what we say here is that everybody, when I say that, and this is, a, this is a, the way this argument ripples out, if you are operating under the, this administration and obeying this administration's anti-constitutional laws, you are conducting acts of treason. That means Border Patrol, DHS. That means cubicle warriors in D.C. That means staffers to, to our senators and congressmen. That means lobbyists. And unfortunately, D.C. tends to work in this sort of neurotic bubble that it thinks, one, it's better than everybody else, that it knows better for the country than anybody else does, and two, that they're immune from prosecution. The answer to those both are their wrong positions because as we take this position back and reclaim this nation with the power of the people, every single person that conducted treason will be held to their to account, period, end of story. Nobody's going to escape this. Nobody's going to get away with this. And though your crime and punishment, your, your punishment may meet a crime, you will still be, meet some sort of criminal prosecution because you conducted acts of treason. That is the position of the DMA, the Declaration of Military Accountability, and the 231 people. Focused initially on the military, but when people are signing up for the DMA, understand that this is what you're signing up for. You are signing up to support complete and total accountability in our nation. End of story. That means if you are on the border and you are allowing illegal aliens to come across, if you are wearing a uniform and you are not doing the thing to protect this nation and you are following the administration's orders, which you knowingly have violated the Constitution because you swore an oath to do to protect and defend, you will be held to account. If you are a staffer in D.C. sitting in a congressman's office, paper-pushing ideas or allowing lobbyists in to persuade the congressman to do anti-constitutional things and you are not aware of your Constitution, you will be held to account. Now, some of that may be just rectifying your knowledge, and that means that you're ultimately we're going to have to give you some grace for forgiveness, but if you're if you're continuing and you're being warned over and over, there's a point in time when you have made a decision on what side and whom you are serving. This fight has taken taken a very interesting turn with with, with Texas because Texas is now taking a step up as an as a state to say no to the federal government openly, preparing for an all out confrontation with the federal government on the border. I want you to think about what I just said. Texas is preparing to confront Border Patrol and other agencies that are going to try to force our border open against the Constitution. This is where we are. And the people working for our federal government are so consumed with the wrong ideologies. Those ideologies might be union influence. Those ideologies might be ideas of, of obsession and and in worship of your salary or your pension. And at this point in time, we're long past the point of tolerance on that. Do the right thing is the bottom line. Accept that you were wrong, admit that you were wrong, and come across and join the right side. That's what has to happen. But we have lost moral character. 
we have a moral bankruptcy driving most of these institutions because people are weak. They've become a, we have become a weakened nation for many reasons. And ultimately, the one thing about the American character, which is sickening, is that so many people are easily persuaded by money. People can be bought off with a higher salary, a better position, a better, a better pension bonus, whatever. And literally, people will sell their grandmother into the cartel sex life if they could. And that is a, a rot within the core of American, American base. That is where I say so many times that the only way we are going to take this nation back is to reset the moral character of whom we are. So this is a critical moment in our history. Very, very important. I want to play a short piece here, um, and I'm going to play part of it. It's a great interview. Take, I do encourage you to listen to it all. Uh, this is Pete Chambers yesterday on Alex Jones. And what this is is simple. This convoy, everything that we're doing, we the people, this, this remnant nation that is, that is rising up, it is rising up. You can feel it. Uh, you you know, can. My, and you're out there force multiplying. And that's, that's what Green Berets do. Foreign internal defense is our bread and butter. Unconventional warfare is our bread and butter. Now we're doing domestic internal defense. Look on my website. You'll see it in the lines of effort. We, we never dreamt that we would be doing domestic internal defense. This is what we're doing, legally, morally, and ethically. But there is a, there is a factor here. And the factor is for us, what, what, what gets us to the enemy quickly is to find, fix, and finish, exploit, analyze, and disseminate. F3 EAD, that's a model. That's what we did in, in, in uh, Syria when we took out ISIS really quick. Now we can't, we don't have the authorities to finish. So what we do, we find and fix. We fix the location of where the bad guys are. We, lo we, uh, we pair up with law enforcement who is constitutionally sound because there are those down on the border. I hate to say this, this is the truth that are not constitutional. Compromised. Standards. Compromised. Absolutely. Uh, whatever Without getting means. into any of the secret stuff. No, no, sir. You, you've been there federally and state, but now you're down there as a citizen. You're doing incredible work. What is your report from the border before we get into the convoy? Okay, so from the border itself, you have uh, complete mayhem. Uh, there's an old word from World War II called FUBAR. And what that's doing is overwhelming the system. And the system is broken. And we, we care about people, we do, but they're being used as pawns on that border in a larger chessboard at the world level. And the, the globalists will continue to use these people to do more than just cloward piven doctrine stuff, way more than that. This is to destabilize. This is Bezmanov stuff. This is, we're going to take over your country from within stuff. And when you add the CCP to that little salt shaker in the form of a chemical warfare called fentanyl that's laced with trank, all right, that's a horse tranquilizer. Why are people dying so much? 130,000 in 2022? That's chemical warfare. Chemical warfare, something we don't even talk about is the whole fentanyl issue, which is another massive, massive issue here. There's a report I want to play for you or a piece I want to play for you here. And this is actually, if you know who Jelly Roll is, it's an interesting testimony he made before Congress. I want you to hear this. Used to having a rock and roll band behind me when I have a microphone in front of me. Um, during the time that I've been given to share my testimony here, I think it's important to note before I start that in these five minutes I'll be speaking that somebody in the United States will die of a drug overdose, and it is almost a 72% chance that during those five minutes it will be fentanyl-related. Having started that way, Chairman Brown, Ranking Member Scott, and esteemed committee members, thank you for having me. I know this is a bit of a curveball, but I like a little baseball myself. My name is Jason D. Ford, but to most I am known as Jelly Roll. 
I, it is important to establish earlier that I am a musician and that I have no political alliance. I am neither Democrat nor Republican. In fact, because of my past, my right to vote has been restricted. Thus far, I have never paid attention to a political race in my life. Ironically, I think that makes me the perfect person to speak about this because fentanyl transcends partisanship and ideology, gentlemen and women. This is a totally different problem. And I was speaking outside to the media, and I gave them a statistic that said 190 people a day overdose and die every single day in the United States of America. That is about a 737 plane. That's what about a 737 aircraft can carry. Could you imagine the national media attention it would get if they were reporting that a plane was crashing every single day and killing 190 people? But because it's 190 drug addicts, we don't feel that way because America has been known to bully and shame drug addicts instead of dealing and trying to understand what the actual root of the problem is with that. But the sad news is that that narrative is changing too because the statistics say that in all likelihood, almost every person in this room has lost a friend, family member, or colleague to the disease known as addiction. I've attended more funerals than I care to share with y'all. This committee, I could sit here and cry for days about the caskets I've carried of people I loved dearly, deeply, in my soul, good people, not just drug addicts, uncles, friends, cousins, normal people, some people that just got in a car wreck and started taking a pain pill to manage it. One thing led to the other. and How fast it spirals out of control, I don't think people truly, truly understand. So many people. Equally, I think it's important for me to tell y'all that I'm not here to defend the use of illegal drugs. And I also understand the paradox of my history as a drug dealer standing in front of this committee. But equally, I think that's what makes me perfect to talk about this. I was a part of the problem. I am here now standing as a man that wants to be a part of the solution. I brought my community down. I hurt people. I was the uneducated man in the kitchen playing chemists with drugs I knew absolutely nothing about, just like these drug dealers are doing right now when they're mixing every drug on the market with fentanyl, and they're killing the people we love. I'll be honest with y'all. My desire is to only get older and only do better and be better. I believed when I sold drugs genuinely that selling drugs was a victimless crime. I truly believe that, y'all. My father always told me, what doesn't get you in the wash will get you in the rinse. Now I have a 15-year-old daughter whose mother is a drug addict. Every day I get to look in the eyes of a victim in my household of the effects of drugs. Every single day. And every single day I have to wonder, if me and my wife, if today will be the day that I have to tell my daughter that her mother became a part of the national statistic. History repeats itself, gentlemen. Even in the 1990s, crack cocaine had long made its way into my middle lower class neighborhood. And at that moment, even as a teenager, you could have never convinced me in that moment that there would be a far bigger problem on the horizon in the form of a pharmaceutical drug. And then I watched opioids and Oxycontin burst onto the scene. I'm here to tell y'all that fentanyl is going to make the Sackler family look like saints. And I want to let y'all sit with that for a second. It is time for us to be proactive and not reactive. We were reactive with crack, we were reactive with opioids, and y'all are taking the first step at somebody in Senate finally being proactive. 
I truly believe in my heart that this bill, that this bill will stop the supply and can help stop the supply of fentanyl. But in part of being proactive, gentlemen and, and women I, and, and ladies, I have to be frank and tell y'all that if we don't talk to the other side of Capitol Hill and stop the demand, we are going to spin our tires in the mud. Y'all are taking the first step, but I encourage you to take it outside of this room and you take it to your colleagues and your constituents and you give them the most that you can. I know I've got a few seconds here, and Senator Brown said I may or may not go over. Um, all I want to say is that I not only encourage y'all to do this, I encourage y'all to take it a step further. At every concert I perform, I witness the heartbreaking impact of fentanyl. I see fans grappling with this tragedy in the form of music that they seek solace in music and hope that their experiences won't befall others. They crave reassurance. These are the people I'm here to speak for, y'all. These people crave reassurance that their elected officials actually care more about human life than they do about ideology and partisanship. I stand here as a regular member of society. I am a stupid songwriter, y'all, but I have firsthand witnessed this in a way most people have not. I encourage y'all to not only pass this bill, but I encourage you to bring it up where it matters at the kitchen table. This is a pretty amazing testimony, and I think what's really amazing about what he said at the last is as he's encouraging them to care about people more than partisanship i want you to keep in mind that congress has allowed this border crisis to continue that should tell you where their hearts are this heart is not for a nation this heart is for the destruction of a nation and they have allowed this they're willfully allowing this they give you all sorts of lip service every single day about what they're going to do, a bill we're going to pass, something we're going to discuss, and yet they continue. When they passed the NDAA, they passed it recently just with a pen swipe. When they give extensions of money to the government, they do it with a pen swipe. Nobody says it with conditions of saying sealing the border. Nobody's willing to take a stand. Our nation is being destroyed, and it really is very much like the book of Haggai. And this is where I think we have to start to take a significant pivot in the way we see this and what the enemy is doing and where the opportunity is for us to make a huge change. In the book of Haggai, he's lamenting over the fact that Israel's being invaded. And what's coming in is the issues of Babylon and the armies of Babylon. In effect, this is what's happening. So I want to give you a little firsthand testimony on this, which is quite interesting. It's just an interesting story. About six weeks ago, maybe seven, I went through about two days of travail. Literally, never experienced it. Unbelievable how powerful and how deep that was. And what God showed me was a world, a world. He gave me a worldview, and he took me places over, the course, over a couple of days of just prayer. And as he showed me, he showed me the Middle East, and he showed me places in Europe, and he showed me places in China. He took me to the South, to South America. And what he was showing me were all the people that had rejected him, walked away from him for the various reasons. And he, and he showed me the sorrow that builds in the heart, the sorrow, the deep sorrow of watching his children move away. And in the lesson of that, it was, this is why we must love more. For through the root of sorrow, we gain the greatest understanding of love. And as sad as that is, with all the casualties we have, we can't appreciate, unfortunately, many times what we have or the depth of love we need to give until we suffer the sorrow of loss. Yesterday, talking to Pete Chambers, just before his Alex Jones interview, in fact, it was just about 40 minutes before his Alex Jones interview, he and I were on the phone. 
and we were on a video call and in his, he was in his truck and he said, I want to introduce you to somebody. I'm going to leave the name out for a minute. I'm hoping to get him on the show. He's a pastor in Texas. And he says, he says, I had something put on my heart by God. And I said, what is that? He says, we need to have one of the greatest revivals in, in known history. And it needs to be on the border. And I said, and Pete looked at me and he said, Scott, he said, you've been talking about this, which is you've heard me say it here, the idea that we need to start bringing these people to Jesus and teaching them about the Constitution. Pete and is of the same belief that we cannot, we are not going to be able to export these people, return these people, deport these people, whatever you want to call them, because they're not chattel and they're not property. Those are easy things to discuss when you come in under a commerce clause and talk to people about being slaves. The fact of the matter is that these quote, illegal aliens are here. There are bad guys that need to be removed. But there are full families that are coming here. The children that are being sex trafficked need to be restored to their family. President Trump spoke about that in his New Hampshire speech. He used a reference to idle Title 41 that he would use to return them to their families. All of that I agree with. But there are full families here that you're not simply going to uproot and ship out. That's a nice political platform thing to say, but the logistics of that are nearly impossible. And it will divide the country. And it will give the deep state even more leverage because once they, what they always do is they play both ends of the game. It's both ends to the middle. Meaning that you're going to bring illegals in, you're going to disrupt an economy, and then if you pull them out because they've had time to seed in, you're going to shatter people in their communities and it's going to cause division and hatred. That is the, whole, all, the idea. There's only one way through this. And that's to build unity within the body of Christ. Now, why is Haggai important? The book of Haggai. Because in that, what God says is he's bringing in Babylon. Because in his long play of God, he's going to bring everybody to him. Well, this is what's interesting. This pastor I spoke with yesterday said, right around Christmas, he said, I had a vision from God. He said, God told me that we needed to bring these people to Christ. And he said, this has to be the revival. He said, because God said he's bringing them here. And he said, in the process, and hear these words, he said, he showed me sorrow and the need to love more. That's confirmation. When you have somebody you don't ever meet telling you the same thing that God shows you, that's a confirmation. We're in a very critical time in our nation right now that we have to start reassessing how we handle this immigration issue. We want to think that we can take them out and, and get rid of them. That's not going to be realistic. What we need to be doing is approaching them at the root of what will make them Americans and have them value the gift that they've been given, even if they've been deceived. There has to be a measure of free will, and that's an important piece to push as free will to encourage them to go home because they are being used. But in the process of all of this, we also are going to have to accept that there's bodies of them that we have to start embracing. That's where we have to get into discernment. Children that have been brought here illegally need to be returned to their families. Terrorists that are coming into our soil to cause domestic violence, they need to be removed in whatever need means necessary. And I mean whatever means necessary. But those families that have been brought in to, to promised a new life, they need to be educated, understanding what, what is that they've been given. We need to get them into the, the mainstream of this nation, get them back into get them into learning English teaching them about the Constitution, and most importantly, getting them rooted in the understanding of Jesus Christ. 
That's how we change this. Because once we do that, we take away the teeth of what the enemies have tried to embed within us. And no longer do they have the strength because once a person who has been manipulated understands that they've been manipulated and understands what the true nature of their destiny is and they've been given hope, they will become your greatest ally. In fact, they'll become more ferocious as an ally than even your inner heart, even than yourself. Because they don't want to, they will honor what we give them and they will defend what they've been given more than others because going back will be even worse. This is not going to be a popular view by many. I guarantee it. Because unlike many who want to see this as an invasion, a war, and they're illegal, the unfortunate fact is that once they get here and people get here like anything else, people anchor in and they don't, they're not going to want to leave. That's a, when you just think about a family and just think about a responsibility to the root of what God is trying to, to rebuild, which is the root is the family in this world. If you just think about that and think about the trauma of having to use a child, have a child with family members and children to uproot them and send them back home to nothing, that's, that's causing more trauma than anything. We can make this and we can turn this into our advantage, but it takes a different mindset. Now, this is a time right now when people really need to get a grip on what it is actually that where our purpose is here. Politics aside, we keep talking about this. Politics is going to use all of these levers. I'm not saying that there isn't going to be action or shouldn't be action to remove certain people. There definitely should be. But politics is using these people as pawns in the game. One side says we're going to let them in. The other side says we're going to ship them out. And when you get into the following the money, what's the sickening part about this is the contractors that are moving them around the nation are already signing in ink the contracts to move them out. You can see where the political winds are going. The institution, the military-industrial complex, the Wall Street power brokers, they're already looking towards Trump as a win. You can hear it in the narrative. You can hear it on the global narrative. The question you have to ask yourself is, is that because, quote, white hats are in control, or is that literally because we're being shown the different face of the same fight? Meaning that it's a billionaire class that's fighting each other, and the current, the current side that's winning is Trump's side. At the core of this is who are we? not about them. It has nothing to do with these elites. It has to do with who are we as Americans. As Americans, we like to accept those into our nation. It'll contribute to our nation. We want that. We offer something profound in our nation. We offer a, a liberty. We offer a freedom. We offer a pursuit of happiness that no one else can give. And we give latitude to that to a government that should be under the wills of the people, not the other way around. But this government has betrayed us. It's a tyranny. It's a despotic form of, of rule right now that it truly has its thumb on one thing, destroying who we are. And so what they expect us to do is to go to arms, to have a civil war, to fight one another, including fighting illegal aliens against people. They want this divisive hatred to be there and rooted in forever. Give you an example of their success, and all you have to do is go to certain parts of the Deep South, and you will, re will be reminded always of the betrayal of the federal government to their lives. That happened in 1865, and that, that memory still runs strong. Blood rifts don't solve themselves easily. And since the Civil War, ultimately, if you want to follow the Civil War, take it back to Pike. He's going to be the one that partly engineered that whole thing. You're going to see that wars are, the bloodlines of wars don't leave our, don't leave our memory quickly. 
this is where they're trying to push us as a nation to acquire a place where we as a nation not only are broken spiritually, broken structurally, but emotionally and spiritually we can never find a way back. Part of that is the war of drugs. Part of that is the war of the, of the vaccine companies, the pharmaceutical companies. These are all aspects of warfare that are being used to destroy our nation. And at the root of this immigration process, why I brought up Jelly Roll's interview is why it's so important is we have tiers of, of knowledge. We know that people are being trafficked and being encouraged to come in for the wrong reasons. They're being, they're being lied to. We know that there's children that are honestly and openly being trafficked. There is some reports coming out that some of these people are being subjected to organ harvesting, which is not impossible at all, though I have no solid proof on that. And then there is the aspect of drugs. All of these things are about open borders. And the fentanyl is one of the most dangerous drugs ever placed on our market, and it's moving quickly, and it's destroying many. At the root of drugs, at the root of all of this gets one issue. Why do people turn to drugs as an escape? It's because at the end, there's a moral bankruptcy in a nation. There's no root in faith. When I hear churches talk about sending over their teams to go evangelize in Africa and China, I'll walk away from any church that does that. I'll never support it. Because the only missions that we need to be doing now are the missions in a domestic sense. We have inner city communities that need hope. We have Americans that need hope. We have whole masses of migration that are coming into this country that need to learn about Jesus and learn about the hope that this nation will provide. We don't need missions and money spilling off to foreign lands. We're long past that. I, don't, I get tired of hearing the position of churches that I've heard too often of the, the reasons of why. The why of we need to go to Africa because there's X number of Christians over there that aren't saved. They're doing just fine. Let those churches go. And some of those churches have up to a million followers. No kidding. Liberia is a good example of this. We need to be focusing on us. Pay attention to the news in a different optic when you start to lay it down the lay overlay of where's Christian. We're in this fight right now. And is an example of this. We're in a fight right now, apparently with the Houthi rebels in Yemen. We lost two Navy SEALs intersecting technology coming from Iran to to apparently being used by them, and they're trying to prevent them from shipping technology. But here's my question that I always ask. Why are we fighting Iran when Iran is the fastest growing Christian nation in the world? True statement. Iran is becoming a Christian nation. God is working bigly. So we have to get back to our own nation. Start putting, Stop putting our eyes across the seas and start looking internally. And I believe that the pastor's vision as a guy says, as, as the same same insight and vision God gave me, is that this is all happening here because God wants it to. Because we need to start converting these people to whom he wants us to be. He wants us to be part of him. And when we bring these nations, and we are a, we are a melting pot in that sense, together under one roof, and we approach that as the mission of our heart to engage people and to bring them with Christ— that will only enhance God's efforts to bring us all into his fold once again. As a nation, we're too willing to push our stuff to help others and not deal with our stuff inside our house. Now it's time to clean our house. I want you to hear this piece. Very interesting perspective I think is worthy of reminder this morning. You know you're powerful when your enemies recruit to destroy you. You keep telling me I ain't nothing. If I'm not nothing, fight me by yourself. 
But the fact that you had to call my ex, my next, and everybody else to fight me shows me that you thought I was something I did. Do you know your enemies will tell you who you are? The problem with most of us is we think that our lives is an amalgamation of our friends. But let me tell you something, your friends will never help you get to destiny. You don't get to destiny by friends, you get to destiny by enemies. Peter had never gotten Jesus any closer to the cross. It was Judas. You know, This is an important perspective. And this is how I want to kind of close in framing this, which I think is very important. As much as the position of Abbott changed yesterday as if Texas is now going to seal the border, nonetheless, there's still millions, tens of millions of illegals in this nation, people that have been allowed to cross. And with that in mind, you have to keep them keep this position, that the deep state's idea ultimately is about chaos and internal destruction. If we've arrived at a point where the political, where the osmotic pressure from the political voice of Americans has now hit a, a so extreme that the people in power know it, part of their maneuver will always be to protect themselves before they really protect a nation. Sometimes those look the same. My only caution and my only question I have out there with this issue of the Texas border and Texas now taking a stand to seal its border is whether the motive is pure pure, or whether the motive is that they've accomplished the internal build of the illegal aliens they need to create the chaos that they have. They have a lot of people in here. We need to keep ourselves focused on our mission. Our mission is to bring them to Christ. We need to keep ourselves focused on the strength of who we are. We're Americans rooted in our in Bible and in, in, in the belief in God. And we need to fight that way, understanding that as we go forward, our first and foremost fight always will be that of faith, not that of the sword of steel. So we have to stay focused on that which is given. This is a challenge ahead. So we are seeing that the fight is ramping up. We are seeing that the border is being sealed in Texas, and that's good. But we have a problem that's already here, and it's not just going away. So the point for us again is these people need to be brought to being into, into the fold of being Americans. As much as that may run against the grain of what we want, the enemy wants them to be used against us. We need to take that away from the enemy. And that takes us back to the book of Haggai. This is not a political action. This is a God action. And we're, we are living through a consequence of literally a nation being judged. The question is, how will we come through this time? Will we now lean into God and do the right thing and try to enhance our nation with, the, with those that have now come to sift out those that are truly not of him and the rest to bring to him and in the process unite this nation as truly one nation under God? Or will we continue the political games of trying to continue to divide and separate and let the enemy have the upper hand because they know that the division and the separation achieves their long-term goals. We have to come together as a people, all of us. We have to start uniting as a people. We have to start rebuilding. We're suffering from 10 million job losses right now in the market, and most of that's the millennial class that have been decimated by this COVID con and this death shot. We are dealing with a nation that is losing its wisdom class faster than we can count because of this, this COVID con and death shot. We are dealing with infants 
that are being affected by this shot and young people that are affected by the shot that may be permanently sterilized. We don't know, but we know there's consequences. We are dealing with a flood in of a chemical weapon called fentanyl mixed with trank that is killing 160,000 people literally a day. And it could be a month. That statistic I'm going to have to check. We are dealing with mass death from this fentanyl attack. And just to make it personal, so that you all think it doesn't leave our, isn't just outside of the Bars Nation community. One of the people that is, I consider so dear in our community, which is Jim Conley, lost his son on the last day of, of Bars Fest because of a fentanyl overdose. It's real, folks. And the only way we're going to reset this is to reset the moral fabric and the moral foundation of a nation. And those that come in across the border, as much as we may not like them, they understand another world that we can use to the advantage of protecting this nation rather than always looking at it as, an, as a negative to what we gain. They're not all bad, any more than all the politicians are bad, though that's a hard one for me to swallow sometimes. We need to get people anchored back in faith and in the purpose of who they are as a nation and as we are as a nation and what we are trying to do. This is a time right now when these are the lines we have to draw and why it is so important, so important for us to step in, to get deeper in our scriptures and our Bible, to do this and to start leading now from the front and not following. Jaron Jackson, Chris Ann Hall, two of the greatest minds I've come across in the constitutional knowledge. Study them, learn the constitution, Learn it well. Chris Ann Hall has a fantastic online program to learn to learn the Constitution. Get that out there. It is important. Start studying it. Study the Bible. Get knowledgeable. Knowledge is a sword. It's a powerful one. And this found this whole channel was built from the very beginning on two pillars, faith and knowledge. This is the most important knowledge because it ties us into the into the root of our faith. And when we bring those two together, that's a sword that nobody can defeat and nobody can stand against. It's always God leading and fighting for us. Patriots, we're going to begin today's prayer, the very specific prayer request from uh, Corey Terry, who's, a, uh, who's referred me to a person that's being deployed right now. And it's a prayer. I want to just read this. It says, a friend and a brother in Christ, Captain Nicholas uh, Saraday, infantry officer with, a, with the New Jersey National Guard, um, is deploying for nine months tomorrow and leaving his wife, Valerie, his four young children, Zachariah, Adeline, Wesley, and Hudson. He is deploying to the Middle East to a base that has been getting attacked daily. Pray for guidance in his leadership role, dedication to his men, and safety. Pray that his family puts any anxiety out of their minds and focus on God not the devil's distractions. Well, Father God, we just want to pray for Captain Nicholas Saraday and his family of four and his wife in this critical time where he is being deployed to, unfortunately, a war that has little to do with anything other than a deep state maneuver to try to bring us all into a, a line of hatred for each other. Father, we just pray a blessing over Nicholas Saraday and pray that this captain, as he leads his troops, will keep a clear mind make solid decisions, rely on you in all things, 
May his day begin with prayer. May the wisdom come to him be of Holy Spirit. May his decisions be truly of you. And may his, may his role there be one of bringing his troops home, all of them. Father, we pray a blessing over his family in this very difficult time. And we pray a blessing that just to protect them from any of the deceptions that Satan will try to put into the hearts and the minds. This is a difficult time. Nine months is hard. And so we pray a hedge of protection around this family. We pray just a love of Holy Spirit to fill each of their hearts, to know with confidence that you have Captain Nicholas Saraday, that you have him in his hands. May they have that assurance in their heart. May they have the joy in their heart to know that their father will return. And even though this is a difficult time, may they see through all of this to see the greatness of a man that is willing to lay down his life for another. May you bless this family with all they need, protect Nicholas Saraday as he goes forward and provide the family with all the support locally and financially that they need. In Christ Jesus' name, amen. So patriots, in all of this said, now let's pray, and let's pray for our nation. Father God, we're in a critical time right now today as we reflect on all the things challenging us as a nation. The division, the seeding in of hatred, the constant pressure to try to tear us down and tear us apart. So, Father, we're praying in today for hearts of unity, ones that can see through this deception and start to see with eyes of discernment to realize that we are being actually blessed with people that are coming here, that may, though they may have come here with distorted means, that as we separate the good from the evil and we separate them and find that core, there are people that are coming here that truly can benefit and grow this nation in a good way. Father, we pray that you'll guide us to those. Guide us to leading those to Christ and allow us to encourage them and lead them into a place of learning English, unifying us under this nation, bringing in the Constitution, the values of the Declaration of Independence and the Bill of Rights to have them understand truly what gift they have been given, to empower them and to encourage them now going forward with righteousness that will give them a, a need to protect and defend that the gift that they have been given. And for those that have come in here that are evil, may they be exposed and may they all be shaken and may they be shaken first before they make a hand a move with a hand of steel. May they be shaken truly with the knowledge of Jesus. And may all this nation, as we continue to pray and all the world have an encounter with Jesus himself. May we have yet a dream, whether it's waking or sleeping, a dream truly where Jesus will present himself to all of us at the same time to reveal his compassion, his love, his forgiveness, but also his greatness as the king. Father, we pray this for this time. We pray this in this hour. We pray this as a, as a moment to shake the root of evil and truly bring about the, the kingdom of life. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Patriots, a lot to consider and a lot to reflect upon, but these are important times. Our enemy knows who we are. They are building up this fight in massive ways. They've spent trillions of dollars tens and tens of years to try to develop a lethal attack that will break us and never allow us to recover. And yet they're still not succeeding. The enemy is exposing its hand on a daily basis. They show their contempt and hate for us. They count on us being so weak that we can't stand. They count on us being so disoriented that we can't figure our way through. They count on us being so separated from God that we can't hear the wisdom of Holy Spirit. None of this is true. This is a time now for us to stand more mightily within God, 
to lean more boldly within this hour into him and to raise ourselves up to realize that this is part of God working a bigger hand. Let us not give the enemy what it wants us to believe, that they are somehow greater than he. God is behind all of this in the end of the day, for all things are created by him. This is a time when we have to look at this, get into our scriptures. I encourage you to read the book of Haggai. But understand what that's being said, that as difficult as these times can be, there's the greater lesson of God bringing all of his children in to be brought home to him. This is huge. And that puts our active role on the ground at an even higher level. We have to be engaging. We have to be spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have to be healing the sick and the broken. We have to be casting out demons, raising the dead, and we have to be seeking those higher works. Put our heart with God. Has, have him guide you. Pray for the wisdom that you need. And each one of us now becomes one of the most dangerous people in the world because we're awake. We love God more than anything, and they can never control us. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time in this place for just such a time as this. We're at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, tonight I have Michael Yan on. It should be a really good interview. Probably one of the fewest words I've ever spoken in an interview. Michael talks for almost an hour, but you're going to get a lot from him tonight. So I look forward to seeing you there. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe, to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward, by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal, but that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made, therefore they can be solved by man, and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable, and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait, but this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who move forward, and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. 
the energy, the faith, the devotion which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples, it has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. Push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath. <laughs> 